It is time to go deeper in God's Word. It's time to engage in truth. Here is Dr. Steve Ford and Pastor John Bornsheen. Well, thank you for tuning in to the Engage in Truth broadcast. This is Steve Ford, your co-host, along with Pastor John Bornsheen, Senior Pastor at Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley here in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Well, today we're continuing our discussion concerning what the Bible tells us regarding godly leadership. Last episode, Pastor John revealed some of the personal trials that he experienced following God's calling starting out in ministry. We learned that as the main character says in the movie A Million Miles Away, tenacity is a superpower. Hmm. So many times we can succeed with God's help simply by not giving up. And do we also need to remember that it's not always so much about what our ideas of success are as it is about obedience to God. That's really what matters. Last week we started this discussion really based on Psalm 128, one of the songs of ascent. I'd like to read it again today. It starts with, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Pastor John? Oh, what a powerful word. I had the privilege to share that same word with our men's group uh, not long ago. And it was a really a time of great reflection. The fact that in six verses, we are given an outline for what Ecclesiastes draws to its conclu- conclusion in chapter 12 of that we are to fear God and keep his commandments. Right. But in this, look at the promises that then ensue, the cascading effect thereof, where if I walk rightly before God, if I truly respect him and fear him with all that is in me, not a, a trembling kind of fear, but an awesome wonder of his majesty, well, we are truly put before him as we realize then that we are a living sacrifice unto the Lord, that the Lord Jesus gave his life on the cross. We then enter into covenant with him, and then we put ourselves up on that same altar to say, I belong to you now. I accept the terms of the bridegroom, and I belong to another. I've been paid for and bought at a price, and now I live for him and for his glory. And so we're in awe of him as we fear the Lord, and then we walk in his ways. And as we walk in his ways, then we find that it impacts everything, our work, our family, ultimately our entire nation. So in six verses, we have a four-point sermon. Right. <laughs> and, and as I was reading that and about to share with the men, I was like, this is it. I've been wanting to talk about leadership with the men. And we'll get to some of the, I, I guess, some of the practical application of leadership later on in our study. But as we're going through these six verses, last week, we really spent our time on fearing God and what that means. And talking about Ecclesiastes, of course, Ecclesiastes 12 But this one now follows from the first principles. We fear God as we fear the Lord and we walk in his ways. The second tells us that our work will be blessed. I don't know that there's a man out there who doesn't want to hear that or a woman for that matter, that all of their labors are not in vain, that if we have made God the priority, and I see this in my own wife as she is 
eagerly preparing for her day, the first thing she does is get on her knees before the Lord. She is writing in her journal. She is preparing in devotional. And I see this time with her and it just starts her day off right. I mean, she just has a joy. There's almost like a skip in her step now as she goes about doing the rest of the labors of the day. So this is a favorable message for all. However, the context of the Psalms was that in this Psalm was a song of ascent. It was for the men to rightly understand that they were a priest of their home and with a right relationship with God, there would be an immediate fruit that would follow. If you take your prescription from God, it will go well with you. So here he says, number two, your work will be blessed. Verse two. Now, if a man, according to Hebrew tradition and understanding by way of God's word, as they walked in the Torah laws and the things of God, they knew that if a man did not keep God's commandments, he would ultimately sow in vain or his enemies would come through eat up his crops, or natural disasters could bring ruin to his work. So as they were going to make sacrifice unto the Lord, there was an exchange that was being made. They knew that if they were going to give the Lord their very best of the crops or of their livestock, lambs and cattle or whatever it might be, according to those Levitical laws, even Numbers chapter 29, as they make their pilgrimage there back to Jerusalem, they knew that God was going to give them blessing. You think about Esau and Jacob as they fought for the invisible blessing. They wanted the invisible blessing that had a very physical reality to it, the supernatural reality that impacted their physical world, that they went to give blessing to God in exchange. He would also bless them, and they wanted the favor of God. And so the righteous know that we have divine blessing. You see this in Psalm, or excuse me, Genesis chapter 26, for example. But look what he says here. When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy and it shall be well with you. He takes us from the first verse, which was very uh, generalized. Everyone is now what is implied here. So it, it, it was, if you fear God, all of you, This is what will happen. And now it becomes very personalized. You, you will eat of your labor. You will be happy, right? It will be well with you. That is about as intensely personal as it gets. So the man who fears the Lord, and again, ladies, as you're listening, I want you to consider, I'm not trying to alienate you at all. I want you to know that as we're speaking to men specifically in this context, this is a blessing to the whole family. So don't think you're being uh, forgotten in this context. Actually, the Lord is caring for you greatly in this context, because as men would honor and serve the Lord, you would be a recipient of the right relationship of your husband unto the Lord. And this also applies for a woman's daily walk as well. But the man who fears the Lord and walks in his ways will be happy with his work. The same word, it's, it's tov, It's a sense of, I mean, think about this. This is a sense of completeness, completion, satisfaction. It's something that is translated as good. And we get that from Genesis chapter one, where God spoke, he made out of nothing and it was good. Can you imagine feeling that kind of satisfaction in our work? Instead of just trying to pay the bills and move from the monotony of one thing to the next and 
the labors of it, we, we would have this sense of fullness, completion, satisfaction, because we are laboring for the glory of another. And our boss and coworkers and everybody else become the recipients of that right relationship with, with God, ultimately. So he blesses you with the gift of happiness in your labors, and he's going to take care of your future. It will be well with you. What a guarantee that God is looking out for you because you have made him the center of your existence. This is not just adding God into the equation as if you've got another responsibility on your plate. Like I, I've got all these things to tend to my family, my work and labors of the field, whatever it might be. And oh, and now I have to add God's uh, needs of me as well. That's not what this is about. This is now him consuming everything of your identity, becoming holy in Jesus Christ. Now everything else is transformed as a result, because as Romans 12 tells us, we're now transformed by the washing and renewing of our mind. We think differently. Now our work becomes an extension of a ministry that the Lord has placed me here to bless my coworkers with truth, with helping them to see what character looks like, to imitate you, because if they do so, they're imitating Christ. You become a change agent, even within the culture of your work. He tells us in Ecclesiastes 2, 24 to 26, nothing is better for a man than that he should eat and drink and that his soul should enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw was from the hand of God for who can eat or who can have enjoyment more than I for God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy to a man who is good in his sight. But to the sinner, he gives the work of gathering and collecting that he may give it to him who is good before God. Wow. (laughs) So you can have individuals out there who are laboring in vain, ultimately. Yeah. But we who are righteous, not by our own righteousness, but with Christ's righteousness upon us and laboring and producing good works and fruit for the glorious kingdom. John 15, he is the vine, we are the branches, right. right? He is purpose that we produce works, but it's not a legalistic works based salvation that we're trying to attain to. It's because we are changed. It's the seed that he has planted into the ground that yields a harvest. Right. So some have scattered that seed. It was received into our hearts. We accepted that Jesus Christ was enough. And now our allegiance is holy to him. And as a result, it's like the seed that grows and produces a magnificent harvest as a result. And it's not just because it's changed our heart, but because our hearts are changed, we're now going out with intentionality that others hearts might be changed. And an entire workplace can be changed by that. That's a, an amazing replication factor that, that goes into that. He says here that we're really what we're supposed to see here is that if our work isn't very satisfying, much less happy, then it's probably because we have put that dependence on something else. Mm-hmm. We right. have filled the void wrongly. Um, we have not put Jesus Christ as the centerpiece. We've tried to fill. We've talked about this on prior broadcasts that we've tried to fill the void in our lives with all kinds of things of this world. Last week, we talked about the five P's. That are offered and are probably for those who you haven't picked up from last week's program, you can go back and listen at calvaryfountain.com. But the world tries to give us the illusion of substance by way of possessions, popularity, position, prestige, or even promotions. The list is actually greater than that. That's not an exhaustive list by any means. But the reality is, if we're not finding contentment 
it's probably because we're not putting it wholly in Jesus Christ. You should be able to find contentment despite your boss, despite your coworkers, your position, your salary, your hours, your commute. Your happiness is found in Christ alone. All those things can, can actually rob you of the joy. And so this is not a reactive position, but rather a proactive position. I know who I am in Christ. I know where my joy is truly. And thus, I am laboring for his glorious purposes, despite the circumstances that I'm in, right. <laughs> despite maybe the harshness of a boss or <laughs> the rudeness of coworkers or whatever that might be. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I mean, as much as possible, shouldn't everything that we do be an act of worship? Absolutely. And I've heard this preached on before. The pastor was talking about his, you know, his teenage, young 20s sons coming up. Well, I don't like my boss and I don't like this about my job and what have you. And it's like, well, that's fine. But when you go to your next job, the same person is going to be there. They may have a different name. Mm -hmm. They may look a little bit different, but the same personality. So, you know, you need to be able to uh, adapt to that. But I think you're spot on that everything that we do should be an act of worship as much as possibly to our Heavenly Father and, uh, and make sure that we're using the giftedness that he has given us to serve him. You know, we can, in our culture, we can get carried away with the culture's ideas of success and making money and prestige and that sort of thing. But like you said, that, that God-shaped void, we're not going to be able to fill that with things, possessions, with acclaim. We're only going to be able to fill it with God by serving him and loving him. Amen. We, we have a gentleman in our church named Paul. Paul Arisa. I'm going to call him out right here on the radio and, uh, and on our Facebook Live. What a sweet man. We've had a lot of great guys, wonderful group of guys at our church at Calvary Fellowship. But, but there's something about Paul who, um, whenever I see him, and it could be the uh, toughest of days, he, he's not this guy who you're just going to hear all this academia of doctrine and theology from. He's a guy who smiles. Mm -hmm. No matter what adversity he's going through, no matter what circumstances he may be surrounded by or adversities in those circumstances, he just smiles. Yeah. He, he has this joy that just exudes from his presence. And we've been in some difficult things before, and he was still smiling. And it's amazing to me how sometimes the very basics can be so elusive to us. Right. You know, where I may come into a situation and then overanalyze and try to navigate through these things and maybe even not even allow my countenance to be joy filled and by way of observation. Sure. His is just simply, I'm going to be joy filled no matter what, because right. it's not artificial. The Lord Jesus just exudes through him. Right. So he could be absolutely going through the worst of days and he's still smiling. Yeah. And he just, all he does is just say, the Lord is my strength. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And I'm like, wow, the very basics put to practical application here that you learn to smile through adversity. And it makes that so much sweeter because you realize he doesn't have to smile right now. Right. He doesn't have to exude that kind of love for Jesus right now, but he can't help it yeah. because that's who he is. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, Lord, give me that kind of joy no matter what. Like Stephen in the midst of being executed. Yeah. He had this That's joy right. where he just, it was like he's just shining brightly as he's looking up to the heavenlies and he has this joy in the Lord that even in the midst of being wrongly persecuted yeah, and executed, glowing. all he does is <laughs> shout praises to the Lord. Yeah. Well, like as we discussed before, the apostle Paul and his light and momentary troubles, you <laughs> right. know, and he was still able to go through all that and call them light and momentary troubles. And I wonder sometimes if we, if we think about Jesus and we think about 
Jesus being our example and washing feet. Sometimes in our jobs, we may get upset because we feel that uh, a certain activity or something is actually below us. But I don't really, we don't really see mm. that manifested in the life of Christ. I mean, when we're working somewhere and we're being paid to work and something needs to be done, I think, right. you know, part of being a good Christian worker is, you know, you step up and you do whatever needs to be done. It's, you know, see a need, fill a need. And that's, you know, we see that throughout scripture. That's right. And I, you know, I would encourage people to that point. Let me take a bunny trail for just a moment. Sure. I, I think it's absolutely joy filled to no, no matter what, whether you're in full-time ministry, as I have had the privilege of being since 1996, and I shared with the men some of that story. And last week, we got to talk a little bit about some of my in, in just getting started in ministry and how, how challenging it was. And I just was scratching the surface of how challenging it can be. And that's why in this study, what we're looking at is it's always too soon to quit. Right. Everything worthwhile is uphill. The Lord will work through us. I mean, think about what happened on top of Mount Tabor and the Mount of Transfiguration. They had to get up there. It, yeah. it was. It, there's always a labor. There's always walking. There's always working to be done. And there's a great joy in that. There's a great satisfaction in even working unto the Lord. And Paul, we see, was a tent maker on the yeah, side. Right. And, and there was no shame in that. None. You can be in full-time ministry right now where you're at it doesn't mean that you're necessarily have to be in in a situation where you're employed by a 501c3 or by a church. Your full-time ministry is right now. And I have great joy in the fact that I, along with many other pastors, are bivocational. So not only do we have the privilege of pastoring a flock, a fellowship of wonderful people who love the Lord, and we're imperfect, but we labor together in service to the Lord, but also get to have the opportunity to work in the workplace as yeah. well. And it, and it keeps us grounded. It, it keeps us in a place where we, we are able to just have real world experiences to constantly be reminded, the Lord is my strength. The Lord is my provider. It is not in my own strength in which I'm counting. It's holy in him, like the people of Israel. They had to be reminded, God is the one who's providing for you today. Your next breath is a gift from him. You exist because of him, and he is your shelter. He is your provider. He's the one who's going to carry you through these things. And so I have no shame, and I don't. I think a true follower of Jesus Christ should have no shame in being willing to wash toilets, right? Scrub feet. Right. There's a honest, great privilege in doing that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you know you're absolutely spot on, and you know, thinking that everything that we do is an act of worship to the Lord. It adds a certain joy to our work. Knowing that everything that we're doing, we're doing for him. So, uh, you know, our, our, our fellow coworkers and, and our employers benefit. But really, everything that we do, the job is just a tool to serve the Lord. The job is not the job. Right. Serving the Lord is the job. You know, that's where we're yeah. employed is just the tool that we use to be able to do that. And to be able to pray for divine appointments as we go throughout our day, the opportunity to share the gospel, that the Holy Spirit will lead us into a conversation and to, or to say an encouraging word. And and like you're saying, it's a, it's our ministry, wherever, wherever we wind up to, uh, finding ourselves, whatever type of work that we do, we are all in ministry for the Lord. That's right. Amen. And I, I just, I, I love the fact that when God places us somewhere, it's to bring himself glory. That's right. And so if we just step back from things for a moment and go, God has me there for a reason. God has me in this marriage for a reason. God has me in this location for a reason. It's to bring himself glory. Perhaps we'll be more patient. Perhaps we'll be more understanding. Even waiting on the Lord will be different because even in that adversity that we're going through, we realize that God has purposed even this for his glorious purposes. But we also know that we're more than conquerors 
in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love Romans chapter 8. But I, I think that humility is a very attractive thing. When we, we look at the spiritual gifts that God has given to us by way of the Holy Spirit, when we're in a workplace serving the Lord, it's something where those who have been put in positions of leadership above us or influencing around us, if they exhibit humility that elevates those around them, and we'll get more into that into this study, there is something attractive about that where they don't elevate themselves or seek to bring themselves praise or honor, but rather in their humility, they are demonstrating whom they are actually in allegiance to. So when we have the privilege to be able to influence people in a workplace and we find this great joy in our labors, when we start to see it as ministry and we de-elevate self and elevate him, just like John the Baptist said, I must decrease that he must increase when that's exhibited authentically, not superficially it's got to be authentic and the more we draw to the lord and spend time in his word that authenticity rings out very loudly to the observer and suddenly we're able to speak truth into their life because now we have an audience who's willing to hear anything and everything we say because they watch it modeled in the everydayness of life our labors become quite the testimony unto jesus christ yeah, I agree. And, you know, we get to employ other proverbs to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to, you know, those, Amen. you know, those types of things along the way. But that, that type of focus is so important when you think about the humility aspect of it. If we're not engaged with people and with the job in humility, then we're full of pride. Right. And we know scripturally that just doesn't work out so well. <laughs> no, <it doesn't. laughs> you know, I don't want God opposing me. Right. So, you know, if we are not approaching it from a humble fashion then that's something else that really needs to be addressed. But like, like you said, it's, it's, it's more of a whimsical, attractive sort of thing when people see that in us that may want to uh, allow them to draw closer to this so that we can actually share the gospel with them. And someone who's, like you said, slow to speak and quick to listen, right. there's a, a great delight in that where you have somebody who authentically seems to care about what That's you exactly feel right. mm-hmm. and, and your heart. And and so, you know, it's often been said that in positions of leadership, it's one person who influences another. Mm-hmm. It's not about metrics and dashboard reports and all of these things where you, you see that individual as somehow a means to an end. Right. But rather, you you are now placed there by God to be an influencer in other people's lives. And what a gift and privilege that is. So, again, if we see our workplace as a fruitful reward to honor God, it doesn't matter what type of work that is. I remember early on, and I shared this last week, even in concrete construction, one of the simplest things that people noticed was different about me is I didn't have a a lot of colorful metaphors that were coming out of my mouth. I could communicate without using foul language. And I seemed to really care about the fellow workers I was engaged with. This set me apart immediately. And again, it wasn't to draw attention to myself. It was, can I hold the line and be honorable to God, even in the throes of this workplace? And God is the one who brought himself glory through that. All I had to do was do my part, be mindful of my speech, be mindful of my engagement with the others, and God did the rest. So there, there is that wonderful joy of saying, will I do what God has instructed me to do? And if I do that, then he will bless it. He turns it into a glorious harvest. Lives will be changed in the workplace and beyond. And that's really where we're going to go next week as we talk about what it looks like even beyond the workplace. Because again, single men or single women have to labor 
And, and so the very next thing that he shows us is how this all cascades down through our family line and ultimately impacts our whole nation. And that's what we'll get to next week. So as we close today, I want to thank you all for listening to Engage in Truth. Thank you for making this part of your weekly endeavors as you turn on the radio or maybe you're listening online. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family at Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church and here with our team of Engage in Truth here at uh, Salem Radio Network. I want to thank uh, our sponsor as well. Every week we're going to try to highlight a sponsor who's made this broadcast possible. We have what's called a service directory spotlight at calvary fellowship fountain valley church and so we want to thank one of our first who is uh, really stood up and said i want to serve the body of christ and that's jeff bowles and jeff is a realtor here in colorado springs with remax and he's a christian man and he loves people a man of great character a great integrity and on top of it he's a great real estate agent i mean this is a guy who just loves the lord faithfully and, uh, you know, he, he's uh, he's putting his work to practice here and what he believes. He's a, a lifetime achievement guy uh, with Remax. He's a Platinum Club member, one of the top 10 percent real estate agents in town. He's not going to disappoint you. So we're so grateful that Jeff has helped sponsor this program. You can find Jeff Bowles at Jeff Bowles, real estate.com. Jeff Bowles, real estate.com. His phone number is 719 460 5050. Again, we want to thank you for listening to Engage in Truth. You can learn more at calvaryfountain.com. God bless you, my friends. Take care.